This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show as... The last few weeks we've been talking about, is Nebraska going to get these coaching spots filled? Well, we bring in Nate Klaus to start the show off, uh, and they indeed get the spots filled. And um, no surprise on the defensive line, uh, they, they get John Perella, And, you know, really two names had emerged as candidates, on, at least with the fans. I know there are more than just two, but Angus McClure, John Perella, But, um, you know, according to reports of Mike Riley, he was just blown away by John Perella. And anybody that knows him knows he's a very passionate guy. And um, I think Riley looked at the situation, Nate, and said, hey, uh, you know, we've got to get a guy that has some knowledge in Nebraska, a guy that has some in-state you know, rec- recognition with coaches and whatnot. And, um, you know, it looks like this could be a pretty good move long term. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a very good move long term, um, and, and I think you're right. I think the the fit was something that that had to be right for Mike Riley, and he had to get a guy in here that was familiar with the program. Um, you know, having been a, a former black shirt, I think it was a bonus, but um, more than anything, it was being able to bring somebody in who would uh, command respect in his meeting room. Um, it was a, a true expert and professional at, at teaching and coaching along the defensive line. And, uh, and although John Perella is a little bit unproven as a recruiter on this level, I, I have no doubt that, that he'll be able to, to go into recruits' living rooms and, and uh, really sell them on the fact that he could develop them into the great players on this level and maybe even beyond. Yeah, that, that's what the, the number one thing you get from Joe Fan on Instagram – or not Instagram, Twitter, message boards, or whatever social media – you know comments you see is how is his recruiting background we don't know that but what we do know is he's from Grand Island he played at Nebraska he played in the NFL he's worked his way up the college ranks and he cares he wants to be here he bleeds Nebraska red and you, you would hope that all of those attributes transfer over um, to, to, to really selling the product because he cares uh, uh, about Nebraska. He really wants to be here. This is not a stepping stone for him. This is a job that he wants to probably finish his career in. Yeah, this is a destination type of job for John Perella. And, you know, the, all the best recruiters have a handful of, of uh, the same traits. And I think that's passion, energy, uh, you know, a great personality, uh, the the ability to, to connect with uh, with kids and their families and uh, to develop relationships and you know everything I've heard about John Perella uh, from people I've talked with talked to about him you know he has all these traits and um, although he doesn't have the the resume you know of having signed all these four or five star or whatever guys uh, there's no doubt that he'll be able to to go out there and connect very well with young kids. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we break down the hires that were announced this week by Mike Riley. We talked about John Prella, but Nate, this is the one to me that 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 I want to talk to and spend more time on. Uh, the addition of Billy Devaney, the former St. Louis Rams, um, you know, uh, general manager, head of scouting for the Atlanta Falcons. He brings a, a 30 plus year really NFL background to the program and. 
in so many ways, he's going to be considered the general manager of the Nebraska football team. And um, this was a big step. And it was actually an idea um, that Sean Eichhorst and Steve Waterfield came to Mike Riley about and said, hey, what do you need? Let's get this done. And they clearly had to open the checkbook. This was not a $110,000 hire. I mean, this is a guy that they are paying big bucks to come in and, and give the Nebraska football program that that thing that you see at Alabama or the big time programs like Ohio state and uh, having an NFL general manager. I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah. It's unheard of. And really it's kind of a groundbreaking hire. When you look across the, the landscape of college football, there's not another guy out there that I've been able to find that has the type of experience that Billy Devaney has. Um, and not just being a former NFL GM, I, I think that right there um, really sets him apart from anybody else out there. But just having over 35 years experience, um, you know, working in the administrative uh, personnel uh, roles in the NFL, being in the front office. Uh, I mean, just the, the overall level of experience that this guy brings to the table, his, the type of connections that he brings to the table is unreal. And, and I think that he's a, a big picture thinker. He's going to be able to come in and, uh, you know, probably, um, you know, really kind of streamline everything that Nebraska wants to do uh, in terms of recruiting, evaluating, um, you know, managing the roster and the personnel moves uh, that, that are going to take place and, uh, and and should be able to to probably, you know, put his, his fingerprints all over this deal and, and hopefully, you know, set Nebraska apart. Maybe maybe this is the type of move that helps put Nebraska back over the edge when it comes to recruiting and uh, bringing in a different type of talent to Lincoln. Yeah, and he made a quote, Riley, um, I, I forget who, which one of the two papers um, when they talked to him this week, that they wanted to add a, a level of professionalism into their scouting department. Um, just somebody that has more experience than the guys they have um, that can just add another layer of organization. And, and you know, clearly that's what he's going to do. And it will be interesting to see kind of his initial approach. You and I have talked about this already that I think it makes more sense early for him to maybe just sit back for a few months and, and watch how things are done. And then, obviously, he'll look at that and, and put his expertise and knowledge in there. But I'll, I'll be curious kind of how that all plays out. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to kind of see how that works. Um, you know, he's got like like we said, he's got um, a ton of experience. He's going to be able to come in into, you know, Lincoln and kind of uh, uh, maybe take a step back, see how things go right now, how things kind of work and see all the moving parts and. Um, you know, and then kind of implement, you know, some changes. And, and I think this is a great opportunity for, for guys like Ryan Gunderson and uh, Andy Vaughn and, and Kenny Wilhite and Todd McShane and, and those guys who are currently in the, the recruiting office or in the personnel uh, department at Nebraska to, to kind of soak up, uh, you know, all the knowledge that, that Billy Devaney has and, and kind of embrace, you know, uh, you know, everything that he can bring to the table and, and learn from a guy like this. So uh, it's going to be exciting. And, um, you know, and it's one more recruiting tool, too. And not only will he kind of organize and, and maybe make things a little bit more efficient um, in the recruiting process, but when kids come on campus, I mean, how cool is it to, to be able to, to sit down with a former NFL GM and have him kind of, you know, talk about y your talents and how that might translate one day to the NFL. And I mean, that's that's just uh, the everything he brings to the table is pretty exciting. Well, and even if you're like a player someday getting ready for the draft, he, he can say, hey, let's, let's have some practice models interviews I'll, I'll prep you on a little bit of what teams yeah. might be asking you just things like that that you, you don't even think about but he's a valuable resource and I'm sure Nate they're paying him I'm guessing so much money we don't know the numbers yet but if he says this is missing or that's missing 
uh, they they need to probably you know go with what he's saying because if you if you've invested this much now, uh, you have to kind of go with some of the ideas he wants to bring to the table. Well, yeah, and that's I'm sure that was probably you know when they were talking about the type of position he'd have at Nebraska and, and the the type of pay that he would have here. I'm sure that was one thing that he you know uh, brought brought up and said you know if there's if there's a change that needs to be made, will I have the ability to go ahead and make it? You know, will I have the green light to to correct anything uh, that I think needs to be corrected. And I'm sure that, you know, given his experience and, and his background, um, I would be shocked if, um, you know, they didn't give him that green light to do. And you look at his background, he has never worked in the college game. So that that's what's intriguing about this. Uh, started with the Redskins all the way um, through 79 to 1990 during the, the great run there in the 80s they had. Then goes to the Chargers for 10 years. That's when he worked with Mike Riley. He was the director of player personnel. Uh, he was with the 49ers 01 to 03, the Falcons then for 06 and 07 as an assistant general manager. Uh, then he went to the Rams from 2008 to 2011. Uh, has he been sitting out, Nate, then that whole time from after 11? Or what, what has he been doing? No, he's been he's been with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he, he worked for one year at ESPN, and then he was with CBS Sports uh, as kind of an NFL insider uh, for, for a year or two. And then he's been with uh, the Atlanta Falcons, I, I believe, for the last two years. And, um, you know, this is kind of odd timing, uh, too, when you, when you look with the NFL draft coming up. Uh, Billy Devaney was kind of the the head of the the scouting department with the Atlanta Falcons, and for him to leave right before the draft, I, I think is uh, probably caught some people off guard uh, down with in, maybe, in Atlanta's maybe organization. Maybe he's finishing out the combine right now as we speak. I mean, I don't think he's in Lincoln yet. Maybe he is, but I haven't heard. Uh, I'm not sure on those details. Um, as far I haven't seen any interviews done with him, so. Um, the combine is going on right now, and, and we'll talk more about Nebraska's guys next week in the show as uh, they'll be working out over the weekend for the most part. But uh, no doubt a, a groundbreaking day, uh, bringing back former Husker John Perella and then obviously um, the surprise hire in Billy Devaney, the former St. Louis Rams general manager uh, to Nebraska to more or less be um, an executive and general manager for Mike Riley uh, running this Husker football program. Well, we have a full show on tap. Uh, we will talk Husker hoops with Robin Washington and get an idea of kind of where things are at with Siobhan Shields as Nebraska uh, closing in here on the final few games of this regular season. And uh, we'll even discuss potential postseason options if, if we know anything more on that. Uh, the Nebraska baseball game had an up and down a team had an up and down weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to Dan Hoppen about that as uh, and the competition this weekend in San Diego for them uh, will no doubt be a challenge. And we'll close out with more recruiting as uh, both Nate Klaus and I were on the road visiting several high schools in the in-state tour. And then we'll talk about the other offers that happened uh, for Nebraska later on here in the show. But Robin, watch it next year as you're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we'll go back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, now and Robin Washedez. Uh, we're talking Nebraska basketball, but unfortunately we do tape this show Thursday morning, so uh, we can't give you any insight on Nebraska's game against Penn State. Uh, but in general, I think the, the late storyline for this Husker basketball team has been the injury to Siobhan Shields, Robin, and uh, losing him um, in that Rutgers game a couple weeks back on a Saturday. And um, it's really changed kind of the complexion of this season. And 
Um, you know, ideally they will have him back here for this final stretch. Uh, what does that mean for Nebraska as they gear up now for the final few games in the Big Ten tournament? Well, just, I mean, from a motivational leadership standpoint, having a, a guy like that who is so well-respected in that locker room, uh, not only back on the bench, you know, which he was the past two home games, but couldn't travel, uh, but to have him on the court. I mean, obviously he's one of your most productive players uh, in, in recent years here uh, within the program. And, and to get him back out there is going to be, uh, I'm sure, a huge boost. Uh, yeah, we don't know. I mean, obviously we didn't know going into this Penn State game how much he's going to play. Uh, but, you know, I think the fact that, you know, he's able to get back on the court says a whole lot about his recovery because Nebraska is not going to put him out there any earlier than, you know, unless he's 100% ready to be back out there. They're playing this extremely cautious and, and making sure not to, you know, have any setbacks of any kind with his concussion deal so uh, it's been a real positive sign that you know not uh, obviously missing four games hurt but uh, on one hand you know it also gave this young team a taste of what life is going to be like next year without having Siobhan out there to to carry the load when things get tough so uh, you know obviously you would love to have them out there but to put those young players through you know a learning experience in two tough road games without their senior leader I think could be a blessing in disguise looking ahead to next season I think you made a good point there Robin Siobhan's averaging a team leading 30.4 minutes per game that's not the Siobhan you're gonna get right off the bat right he's a guy he's gonna need to work himself you know back into game shape he hasn't been practicing with the team much less playing so it's gonna take him a little bit of time but but like you said just having him out there is huge and I think that's something Nebraska's missed so badly is they just Ty Webster can provide some of this but other than him they don't really have anyone who attacks the Mm -hmm. rim and you've seen Nebraska really get outshot at the free throw line over this four game stretch just because they don't have anyone who's getting in there and getting that contact that they have a lot of guys who kind of you know more settle for jump shots as opposed to Siobhan who's driving in there all the time and that's been a problem in general Robin the free throw stuff I mean even when he's back I mean in a conference game nine out of ten times Nebraska's going to shoot fewer free throws than their opponent yeah and it goes back to Tim Miles's philosophy that he's been trying to hammer into the heads of these guys is that you know you want to like the three but love the rim and you know Siobhan gets that Ty Webster at time gets that and even Andrew White though that's not really his strength I mean he's still second on the team in free throws so it, it it's you know one of those deals that's been an issue for them all year long and when you look at you know the deficiencies they have just in terms of you know low post depth being able to attack opposing bigs and not not only get to the line but rack up fouls I think is a huge key to, to Nebraska's success and the fact that they haven't been able to capitalize on that is a big reason why they've struggled the way they have this year you're listening here to the Husker online show as we're talking some Nebraska basketball but one of the real positive trends this season has been the production of this freshman class. And if you haven't been on Husker online this week, uh, Dan Hoppen did an excellent breakdown, just uh, going through the productivity uh, of what this group of freshmen has been able to do and and getting minutes and points and rebounds and hitting threes. Uh, It's been a really impressive group, Dan. And what were your real findings um, in, in just that piece? Well, when you go back over the last 10 years, when you look at, games played starts minutes points per game rebounds per game all that no freshman class has been over the last 10 years has been as productive as this one except for the 2009-2010 class and that one had two redshirt freshmen on it nebraska right now is rolling with five really four true freshmen bakari evelyn plays a little bit but it's more so the big four guys and uh 
Ed Morrow has been out recently with a plantar fasciitis, but Michael Jacobson has been very good, especially Mm -hmm. defensively. His offensive rebounding is off the charts. Glenn Watson actually has a lower, or excuse me, a higher assist to turnover rate than Indiana's Yogi Ferrell or um, Maryland's Mellow Trimble, which I understand that their responsibilities are different, but that's still pretty impressive. No doubt. For a true freshman. And Jack McVeigh. He's really rediscovered his shooting stroke. I mean, he kind of came in with a reputation as a shooter, and he did not live up to that. He only shot about 38% in his first 11 Big Ten games. Well, over the last four games, basically not counting the Penn State game, um, since that Siobhan Shields injury, he's shooting 44%. So he's starting to figure it out, and I think that's a major positive. Here's another fun stat regarding Glenn Watson. He's currently averaging just over 10 points a game in conference play and if he's able to continue that through the end of the year he will be nebraska's first freshman to score in double digits in league play since joe mccray in 2005 just think about what could have been back with old joe mccray <laughs> only joe mccray hadn't discovered fast food yeah, he likes it he liked amigos yeah I think, it, <laughs> I think we'll see what the average of big max per day is compared to there oh. he had so. like one major game though didn't he like where he did something where yeah. you're, uh, he hit a game-winning shot against oklahoma i think yeah his I'm, sophomore year thank you dan you were probably a young season ticket holder uh, at that time. oh i was i remember yeah. it <laughs> you're listening here to the husker online show as uh we're talking husker basketball and you know the other discussion robin is um postseason mm-hmm. you know what is your read on what nebraska really i mean let, let's let's be honest ncaa's out yeah. nit's a long shot long right shot now. yeah for sure so what, what is the next step for you right now well obviously i mean nit is a long shot that's still the ultimate goal i mean you, you if they're able to close out the season on some sort of magical run win two or three games the big 10 tournament then you have a realistic chance at doing it but you know easier said than done so more realistic uh you're looking at maybe the cbi the cit or a new tournament that's just come about this year vegas baby the vegas 16 which is a a thing that was kind of created uh by people uh, the an athletic director formerly of unlv and in arizona has kind of been spearheading this idea of just putting together 16 teams that were you know fringe nit teams that didn't make the cut uh but have kind of more of a you know big name prestige you know power five schools that they don't want to play a crap game against like writer yeah you don't want to go on the road to lehigh or something like that and play in the first round so this is a game where uh it's basically like four or five days in a row so there's no days off and uh it's kind of a a cool idea i think that uh you know for teams that maybe you know don't want to lower themselves to playing in the cit uh it's kind of a to play other uh teams that are maybe kind of more on your level and you lose money by some of those home games i mean right because you have to pay money in those tournaments yeah, to, have to get staffed, a staff to have empowered well and it's everything. fifty thousand dollars to get the home game in a lot of mm-hmm. those situations and then you got to make money off it out yeah, tickets for sure. and concessions and- so it's an interesting thing and I, obviously i don't know where nebraska stands as far as that goes um, just because this is the first year and there's no you know history to look back on but uh, i do know for a fact the cbi and cit have reached out to nebraska so they are obviously interested in getting nebraska if uh, they end up being available and um, you know unlike uh, back in 2012-13 when Nebraska had an opportunity to play in that tournament you know Tim Miles's whole thing was you know no Big 10 team has ever played in one of those tournaments and I don't want to be the first one well Purdue took care of it that that year so they don't have to worry about being the first and also that that 2012-13 team they were done 
by the end of the Big Ten tournament. I mean, Dylan Talley and Brandon Bell had played, I don't know, thousands of minutes, it seemed like, and were just burnt out. And then, then Tim Miles asked the team, do you guys want to continue on in postseason? They told him no. You know, we're, we're, we're tired. You know, we don't have any more left in the tank. That's not the case with this team. It's a young team that has, I think, a lot more energy and a lot more need to get postseason experience under their belt. Well, no doubt lots to keep our eyes on as Nebraska finishes out this year with Siobhan Shields and uh, the potential postseason talk and what direction Nebraska goes. But when we come back, we'll shift our talk over to Husker baseball. Uh, the Huskers open the year 1-2 and two at College of Charleston. That's a top 30-35 program, though, uh, no doubt uh, uh, a rough weekend, but still they're able to get a win. We'll get down Hoppins take on that and preview this weekend's series uh, in San Diego at the Tony Gwynn Classic. That's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we'll go back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Dan Hoppen as we're shifting over now to Nebraska baseball. And the Huskers opened the 2016 season, Dan, uh, with a 1-2 and two start. And, you know, not completely disappointing, but I think what was disappointing about it was they went out on Friday and they beat the number 32 ranked team in the in the nation four to nothing. So you know that they had a good Friday guy going for them, and you had Garrett King going on Saturday. And you're thinking, hey, you know, there's a pretty good opportunity for Nebraska to to maybe get this weekend out of it, go two and one against a, a quality regional caliber team. And uh, they lose 13 to five, seven to three, but they got down big early in both those Saturday and Sunday losses. Well, I think that was the thing that was the most disappointing was just that on Friday, everything looks so sound. You know, they, they only give up two hits um, spread out amongst three pitchers, commit no errors. The offense, you know, left some guys on base, but it did enough, but that wasn't the case at all on Saturday and Sunday. They, uh, committed six errors in those two games they give up 20 runs you know that's that's just the kind you can't do that you can't win and uh I thought Darren made a great point at practice the other day they gave up an average of seven free passes per game whether that's walks or hit batters um you can throw wild pitches in there as another negative it was just not a very clean last two games that's you know something you kind of come to expect early in the season especially on a team with a lot of young players um, but still not something that you wanted to see. Yeah, and just following it from afar, I mean, I would check the scores, and you're like, all right, they'd be down. I mean, Nebraska got down on Saturday and Sunday big early, like in the, in the first inning or two in both those games, correct? Well, yeah, they're Saturday and Sunday starters. Uh, Garrett King and Zach Engelkin, respectively, neither one of them made it out of the second inning. They both just got kind of pummeled early, and that's you know, obviously a cause for concern. I think part of that probably goes into the fact that they're sophomores. They're both making their first weekend start, so there's some jitters there. Hopefully they calm down in the future, but certainly a concern going forward. Yeah, now this weekend, Nebraska will be in San Diego. Um, it's a later game on Friday, 8 o'clock. Uh, they will play San Diego. Um, you know, I don't know much about them, but then Saturday, Dan, they'll play um, the winner or the loser of Arizona versus Tulane. And then Kentucky, University of California, Santa Barbara, Bryant, and then the home team, San Diego State, are on the other side of the bracket. So an opportunity here um, you know, to play a quality team in Arizona, Tulane, or San Diego State, or even Kentucky. Um, you know, The first game, I don't know much about San Diego and, and kind of what their record and expectations are. Well, they're 0-3 so far this season. They're not off to a good start. Um, but still a, a quality team. You know, They're not going to be a walkover. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, 
this tournament has really changed since Nebraska agreed to be in it. Originally, Nebraska was going to play four games uh, in this tournament. They're going to have a doubleheader on Saturday, but the tournament ended up kind of like mashing two tournaments together and adding a bunch of teams. And yeah, it's just been kind of an interesting process. But yeah, now there's uh, eight teams in it. Nebraska will play three games. And like you mentioned, if they win their first two games, they'll have a chance to to go to the championship on Sunday at noon and hopefully, you know, get a chance to win that. Yeah, I always remember this Tony Gwynn classic being a little bit stronger feel than, you know, Arizona and Tulane or teams that we've seen in Omaha. Kentucky has been respectable, but you're right, not a feel that just blows your socks off. No. Um, you know, where you have like an LSU or a Texas A&M. Well, like the Minute Maid Classic that Nebraska played in last year. And they played those a, teams tough. Yeah, this, this is not as strong of a feel as that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we're talking Nebraska baseball. Huskers 1 and 2. They'll play uh, three games this weekend, 8 o'clock Friday, 3 p.m. Saturday um, are the start times. We don't know what time the game is on Sunday. But when you, you talk to Darren Dan this week, um, what changes, if any, will he make uh, as far as maybe to the, the lineup, the rotation, the bullpen, anything that really jumped out week one that he already wants to maybe tinker with? I don't think he's planning on making any major changes we're going to see the same weekend rotation same three starters uh as far as the lineup goes you know maybe we could see some tinkering here or there but he didn't you know mention any of that he definitely didn't give it away it was you know kind of interesting when we talked to him at practice the other day he sounded pretty content with the first weekend like I think he kind of expected this team to come out and, uh, and be a little nervous, and those nerves would kind of play a role and maybe affect the guys early on. So he didn't seem too worried about the slow start. I know a lot of Nebraska fans are, but Darren is definitely looking at the long approach here, and he's not going to get freaked out over this one and two yeah, start. Yeah, and let's face it. I mean, it, they were playing a regional caliber team on the road. They were 45 and 15 last year. You know, I think you didn't want to get swept. That was number one. Mm-hmm. And to get one out of two – you, you can live with that. Two two out of three, you would have been like, wow, we really stole this weekend. So mm-hmm. I, I do think there's kind of this football mentality with guys, especially on our message board, that <laughs> you know live and die by every game and, and whatnot. But it is a marathon, not a sprint, as we know with the sport of baseball. People were declaring the season over Saturday in the third inning. So we kind of know where the fans' mindset is. Don't get bit by the trolls, man. Those trolls yep. will get you every time on yep. the board. But I want to ask you just a couple of big picture pick, uh, questions on the weekend. Give me a guy that really surprised you, Dan, that came out of the weekend that you didn't even know was going to maybe make the kind of impact he did. Jesse Wilkening, fresh, true freshman catcher. I mean, I had high expectations for this guy. I, I, you know, he was very good in high school. He was selected by the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, in the MLB draft. Um, chose not to go, obviously. But I think it says a lot. The fact that in his first start ever on Saturday, Darren Ursad batted him third in the lineup. I mean that that's pretty crazy for a true over Ryan Bolt. Yes, for a true freshman to bat third, that says a lot about what this coaching staff thinks of him. And of course, Wilkening responds with a double, and then he hits his first career home run. So, I, I think he's a really talented kid, and I didn't expect him to have you know that kind of a role early on. But I think he's gonna you know play a major part in how Nebraska's offense looks this season. Who's the veteran guy that maybe has made the biggest jump from last year to this year from your perspective? I was I was happy with what we saw from uh, Ben Miller. Um, still need to see more power from him. I think that's something that he really needs to provide. But 
He started off very poorly on Friday. I want to say he was 0 for 4, 0 for 5, but then he reached base in every at-bat Saturday and Sunday. So on the weekend, he finished 5 for 10. He had two RBIs. He walked four times. That's big for Nebraska. Even I mean, he's not a speedster by any means, but just a guy who can get on base and at least put some pressure on opposing pitchers, is that's something that Nebraska needs. Well, Husker baseball team goes 1-2 and two opening weekend. They'll be on the road. Once again, three games. Uh, San Diego Friday at 8, Arizona or Tulane Saturday at 3. Then they'll play uh, another game Sunday that's to be determined. Uh, then they're not back again until the following Friday. They go out to Long Beach State, so that will be another challenge. First home game, not until Tuesday, March 8th, and they'll have a nice little homestand there with Northern Colorado, Loyola Marymount for four, then Wichita State for three. Uh, so they'll have a nine-game homestand there in March um, before they begin Big Ten season. But make sure you stay with HuskerOnline.com. Dan Hoppen will have complete coverage of this weekend series in San Diego. When we come back here on the program, we'll go back to recruiting, and Nate Klaus and I will break down this week's findings on the Husker Online in-state tour. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And back here on the Husker Online show, we shift back over to recruiting and Nate Klaus and I really wrapped up uh, pretty much our final week on the road for our in-state tour, and uh, we were in different spots. Nate did another uh, week around the uh, eastern part of the state, and I was out west and out in the central part of the state. And uh, before we get to kind of our weekly findings on the road this week on the in-state tour, uh, the biggest news in-state-wise, Nate, was the offer Nebraska extended on Friday to Aurora tight end Austin Allen. Uh, we obviously ta- saw Austin a week ago when we were out in Aurora, six foot eight, 225 pounds. He's still growing. We know Nebraska wants to take at least three tight ends. What's your take on this offer, and what are the chances that maybe he becomes an early commit? Well, I think the you know the the take on the offer is that Austin Allen, in my opinion, is is probably the best prospect in the state of Nebraska, just in terms of what he could be. You know, when you when you look at a six foot eight, two hundred twenty five pound kid who is, uh, you know, athletic enough to play tight end and linebacker in in high school, is a very good basketball player, moves extremely well, has great hands. Um, you know, and is a kid who, um, you know, who, you know, may still be growing, but, uh, you know, probably not going to get much taller, but definitely going to continue to, to fill out, continue to get stronger and more physical. So, um, you know, the, his growth potential is huge off the charts. And I think that with that and combined with the fact that Nebraska needs to take at least three tight ends in this class kind of makes him a no brainer. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we, we talk in state recruiting and, yeah, that is the discussion. Who is that consensus number one? And it's kind of the second year in a row, Nate. Last year, you could argue there really wasn't a consensus number one between Noah Fant, Jared Bubach, Ben Stilley, David Engelhop, even Nick Linners. There were about four or five guys that were all in that mid to low three-star level, not a consensus number one. You get the sense that this 2017 group is in that same boat. Um, you know, Austin Allen's got the first offer, uh, but you got a number of other guys like a Brett Cottrell, um, you know, some other players out there that, that could make that case to be number one. But I don't know if there is a clear-cut one today. Yeah, I don't know if there is a slam-dunk, you know, number one guy in, in the state either. Um, you know, like I said, 
Austin Allen's probably the best prospect in terms of what he could be down the road. Um, you know, Brett Cottrell is a guy you mentioned who's a very intriguing prospect out of Ashland Greenwood. Jack Begley, the, the defensive back, linebacker out of Millard North. Of course, the, the two at Bellevue West, um, Tyler Charest, the offensive lineman, and, and Jalen Bradley, the running back there. Um, I mean, all those guys, I think you could make a case for being, you know, number one or right there at the top um, and, and make a case for those guys all, you know, being Nebraska worthy players, I think. And there's a handful of others out there, too. So, um, you know, in terms of talent across the board, I think the 2017 class in state wise is is as good as as we've seen in a while. Uh, but, you know, kind of maybe lacks that that no brainer guy at the top, that slam dunk, you know, Baker style cooler type of guy uh, that that is just kind of a um, you know no question that that's the, the number one guy. Yeah, I think it's a deep year for sure for like the FCS Ohio Wyoming type guy, but that Big Ten Big Twelve guy that that's what we're going to learn more about as as this continues. And I was out west, out in the central part of the state. Uh, I stopped in Blue Hill to look at an intriguing lineman there, Colin Brown, uh, eight man player, six three three fifteen. Uh, definitely kind of a raw body at this point, but has a big body to work with. Um, carried his weight well. I was impressed with him, Nate. Uh, was in McCook. Um, the youngest of the three Schlager brothers, Zach Schlager, is going to be just a junior next year. He's a sophomore now, 6'2", 200-pound kid. Uh, his oldest brother is currently at Colorado State on a full ride. His uh, younger brother, jo- older brother Joe, as well, signs up with South Dakota as a scholarship player this year. Um, and it, they, they say that this youngest one, Zach, will be the best of the three. Had a very good year as a sophomore. And then lastly, in Kearney, I, I saw two very impressive kids. Uh, Noah uh, Urbanic, you can make a case, might be the best linebacker in Nebraska right now. 6'2", 210, had a very good junior year as a running back and a linebacker. I saw him play against Lincoln Southwest. Uh, I like the attitude of this guy, the makeup of him. And then lastly, a really uh, intriguing guy I ran into, Nate, was Rudy Stoffer at Kearney High. 6'5", 240, tons of room to grow. Kind of one of those diamond-in-the-rough prospects. Um, Spoke with uh, former Nebraska Kearney defensive coordinator Bob Crocker about him a little bit. And Crocker said he's the kind of guy that down the road – you know, could be an NFL type player if he keeps developing with the frame that he has. So, uh, some decent talent this week I saw out there. How about you? Uh, yeah, we uh, we went out to uh, Malcolm and saw Chris Dishman's young uh, son Tim Dishman, uh, who's an intriguing offensive line prospect. There, um, you know, six three, six four, three hundred and fifteen, three hundred twenty pound kid. Um, you know, really kind of coming into his own. It's making me feel old. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think about that uh, uh, Chris uh, Dishman's got a son who's going to be a senior in high school. But, um, you know, Blair has a couple prospects. Uh, Mills Masick is one of those intriguing guys uh, just in terms of of size and growth potential. Um, You know, when you you look at a 6'4", 210, 215-pound prospect that could play multiple positions at the next level. Um, Creighton Prep, again, you know, has – uh, two or three guys uh, maybe uh, you know one of the uh, more intriguing 2018 prospects that, that has kind of shown up in the metro um, with uh, uh, Grant Mathis or tight end uh, and then KJ Cotton, maybe you know, arguably maybe the best overall athlete in the entire state um, at uh, Papillion La Vista, 
Um, you know, he's getting ready to, to try and break his, his brother Kenzo Cotton's uh, track records. Uh, I think his, he told me his, his personal best in the 100 is a, a 10.54, and he's, he's gearing up to, to go out and break Kenzo's records. Um, and he's a, a, a good-looking uh, defensive back, wide receiver prospect with, with good size, a five, you know, 5'11", 170-pound kid, uh, big broad shoulders, long arms. So uh, he's going to get some looks for football. And, and the thing about him is that he's physical. He's not just fast, but he's physical. He likes to hit. Um, and he'll have options to play football or track in college. And, you know, I asked him, you know, which way he's kind of leaning because we all know Kenzo Cotton decided to, to run track in college, turn down offers from you know, Wisconsin, State, Wisconsin uh, to, to go run track uh, for Arkansas. And he told me at this point in time that maybe his heart was a little bit more on the track, but, you know, it, it was going to come down to you know, what what sport provided him the best option and kind of what offers come his way and, and you know, what kind of options he has at the end of the day. So he's definitely a player to, to keep an eye on and, and is going to gain you know football you know attention for football just based off his size and speed and the next thing now we'll have to figure out as we we deal with our regional analysts is which one of these guys will get invites now to our camp in Kansas City and uh, that's always a tough part um, you know from all of our perspectives to make sure the best kids are representing Nebraska down at the Rivals Camp Series event on May 15th in Kansas City yeah, that's going to be it's going to be some tough decisions. Decisions are going to be uh, have to be made there. Uh, getting those guys down to, to Kansas City, how many guys we can get in? Because you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's there's a, a lot of guys who are deserving. Um, you know, I'd, that, I'd put them all in if I could. Yeah, for not, the record, I want. I mean, I want every kid to get a chance, but unfortunately, it doesn't work that yeah, way. It doesn't we, work that way. Um, and not just for the 2017. There's some a lot of intriguing 2018 kids across the state too. Um, when, when you look at some of those younger guys coming up. so uh, But it's going to be fun. It's always fun to see how, how recruiting kind of develops and, and you know moves along for a lot of these guys. And I know sometimes it's frustrating for the in-state kids because they see these kids across the country or gaining offers you know seemingly by the day. And uh, you know the process moves a lot faster for some of these other uh, kids across the country. And um, you know, in-state wise seems to move a little slower. I know the spring is, is always big for a lot of these guys once uh, the coaches are able to come through in the evaluation period. And of course, summer camps are important. So uh, these guys are going to have to go out and, and it seems like in-state guys always have to, to go out and prove themselves maybe a little bit more than uh, in some, some other areas out there. But uh, but that's good. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's about competition, showing what you can do and, and how hard you're willing to work. And uh, this is a group, a good group of guys. All right, we'll talk more recruiting in our next segment as well. Nebraska, once again, still busy on the offer trail. They are approaching maybe 200 offers here uh, by the time we roll around with spring practice. Uh, we'll give you a rundown of kind of some of the things that happened in recruiting this past week in our next segment here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show as Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, uh, we're breaking down Husker recruiting here. Um, and, you know, with, with the big additions to the coaching staff this week, particularly John Perella at defensive line, um, th- that is, I think, what a lot of people are going to be watching now, Nate, as uh, we put a close on the show here. But, you know, y- you just don't know what he's going to bring. and But what we do know is – that is a very important recruiting position for Nebraska this year, and they've got to hit it out of the park in, in a lot of respects. 
with this position and, and, and the type of guys they want to bring in. What are some of the early observations you've seen as far as maybe uh, the social media followings and things that John Perella's already done here in just the first few days? Yeah, well, immediately, um, almost immediately after the his hire was um, made official by Mike Riley and the the uh, the the statement that he would release, uh, you know, Perella started following kids on Twitter, started following a lot of kids that Nebraska has offered and offered recently, um, you know. Uh, across Twitter and, and started reaching out to these guys, um, which is, I mean, hugely important because when you look at the needs in this class, they're going to have to bring in, I, I believe, at least three defensive ends and three defensive tackles in this class, um, at least six total um, defensive linemen across the board. And that's a that's a tall order, I, I think. Um, you know, early observations is that, you know, defensive end is a position that they've been extremely active in, in recruiting. They're trying to get uh, a true pass rusher there. Um, you know, they seem to be targeting, you know, that that six four, six five guy, two hundred and twenty-five, two hundred and you know, fifty pound kid that, that can run is athletic off the edge. Uh, but they you know, are seem to be willing to to make an exception for um, you know someone who's extremely explosive that may be a little undersized. Um, you know, the the six two, three hundred and or two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty pound kid uh, that can really run and, and um, you know I guess push the envelope on the edge. There is somebody that they're willing to take too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know how Perella uh, is able to establish relationships quickly along the D line. Um, because that's going to be a huge uh, priority going forward. You know, the other thing, Nate, is junior college uh, recruiting. You know, this is a time of year where you can maybe get ahead of the curve uh, because a lot of your traditional powers don't necessarily delve into the JUCO market this early. What have you seen Nebraska do thus far on the JUCO market? And defensive line is always an area where you can find a guy if you can get on them early. Yeah, D line, you know, defensive lineman um, is is going to be important uh, for them to at least take a look at, um, you know, taking a JUCO guy and Isaiah Bugs out of Mississippi is arguably the the top defensive end in the country out of the JUCO ranks. He he has picked up an early offer from Nebraska, but uh, he's also picked up an early offer from just about every other team in the country too. So that's going to be, um, you know, a true battle uh, to to try and get him on campus. They can bring that guy in earlier, can't they? Like if it, it, it depends on how, it depends on how much school he's already completed. If he's completed, I think if he's uh, has about seventy five percent of his uh, you know core classes done to get his associate's uh, degree, um, then he would be able to take an official during the summer. Um, but I don't know the exact situation there with Isaiah Bugs. Um, you know, another JUCO positions that has kind of been intriguing to see, you know, a few early offers go out at is, is the tight end. Uh, well, if, if you're going to take three, it might be good to kind of diversify the portfolio a little bit exactly. there and get a JUCO guy because you don't necessarily want three freshmen in there if they're not, you know, it just kind of clogs up the lines a little bit at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at what's on the roster already, you're going to be losing, you know, three seniors after this year with uh, Seathan Carter, Sam Cotton, um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, Trey Foster. So those guys are going to be gone. And then, and then after that, you've got a lot of young, a lot of young faces. Um, you know, Matt Snyder is, is already on the roster. He redshirted last year, but is an unproven commodity. And they've, they've moved Luke McNitt to fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it'll be kind of a Jack of all trades role, but uh, they, they, some of the other walk-ons that were there have been moved around a little bit already. So 
really it is Matt Snyder and David Engelhop and then um, Jack Stoll for the future. So they do need bodies. And you're right, it's hard to find a Juco tight end. I've not really seen – I mean, heck, we thought Bo Sandlin yeah. was going to be Jeremy Shockey, and that guy didn't do anything at Miami. And his film you know, would have really fooled you. Um, so that is a position I've yet to see a Juco guy really make a big impact. And uh, I would think it's kind of hard to find a good tight end at the Juco ranks, but I'm sure there's some out there. Yeah, there, there are a couple out there. You know, Mike Quandine is a kid out of uh, – you know. Uh, uh, NEO Junior College in Miami that picked up an offer this week. And he's a 6'5", 235-pound kid uh, that, uh, you know, is a two-for-two two player. He's going to be graduating in December and will have two years left to play and uh, is very intrigued with the Nebraska offer. Um, Central Florida also just offered him, and which is no surprise really because uh, his – Former head coach at NEO, Ryan Held, uh, joined Scott Frost's st- staff down at, at Nebraska. And, uh, you know, some people might remember Ryan Held from his days as a, as a walk-on player uh, at Nebraska, won a couple national championships here. So, um, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting that Nebraska has identified some some early prospects in the JUCO ranks, especially at the tight end spot. But, um, you know, is is important. It's important to get in early on these guys and, and not wait too long. I think that might be something. That, that we saw Nebraska do last year. Maybe they waited too long uh, with certain Juco guys and, and definitely you know at, at a couple of positions in need. You're listening to the Husker Online Show as we wrap up the, today's show and um, talk recruiting. Let's talk quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's, it's known that uh, Christian Jebbia uh, out of California, the four-star, and then Jack Cohn, the four-star out of um, New York, are, are, are kind of the leaders for Nebraska as far as their 2017 quarterbacks go, both will be here for spring visits. Is that correct? I know Cohen is, and Jebbia is going to be coming in March. Or? Yeah, Jebbia will be coming in March. Um, you know, for the right around that weekend of the of the uh, junior day on March 12th. And the quarterback position, we traditionally know that that's done by June 1st. I mean, most of your top guys are committed uh, by Memorial Day weekend every year. Some extended a little bit further in the June, but. This is the one that kind of gets things going. Nebraska, though, did make a couple more offers this week. Um, What is your take on that um, as far as the new quarterback offers that went out this week? Uh, Two new offers out this past week, uh, Kaysom Hill out of – or Kaysom Bell, sorry, out of Maryland, and then Davis Mills out of the Atlanta area in Georgia. Um, You know, both similar type players in terms of size and arm strength and and kind of fit the mold of what we've seen. But, um, you know, I – you know, the, those two new offers, I think, are maybe insurance policies a little bit. Maybe Nebraska um, not wanting to put all their eggs in, in the Tristan Jebbia. Or left Jack with Cone. nothing then. Yeah, sweepstakes and left with nothing. I, I think it's smart for them to, to have offered, uh, you know, a couple other players that they've identified as guys that, that fit what they want and need in the system. And, um, you know, I, I still think that Jebbia and Cone are, are maybe 1A, 1B on the board, but uh, it's it's I think it's smart, very smart for Danny Langsdorf and Mike Riley to to you know continue to evaluate quarterbacks and, and keep that door open uh, with some other guys and build some relationships there just in case Jebby or Cone don't pan out like you think they might. Well, no doubt a lot to follow. What's the offer count up to now, Nate? Uh, we're pushing, we're, we're approaching 180 uh, and probably will be well past that by the end of today. So uh, 200 is definitely uh, coming up quick. I picture your house having just like this big red thing and you like fill it in every time the offers go up and it's about up to your ceiling right now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm changing it almost by the hour, it, it seems. So, uh, you know, it's it 
how aggressive they've been on the recruiting trail and, and getting out in front with a lot of these offers has been fun to watch. Well, if you liked what you heard today, uh, make sure you check us out, HuskerOnline.com. We, we, we cover Husker football, recruiting, uh, basketball, baseball, but obviously recruiting is our bread and butter, um, and nobody will bring you more in-depth recruiting coverage uh, than the team of Nate Klaus, Mike Mattia, Brian Munson, uh, Greg Peterson, and myself as uh, we dedicate many, many man hours to covering specifically Husker recruiting and lots of exciting things ahead. Well, that puts it in here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Next week, spring practice starts on Saturday, so lots to look forward to as we move forward here uh, a week from now. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 